Through the prophet Isaiah, God promises a new heaven and a new earth. Weeping will pass away. Life will be abundant for God's people. And the world, including the wild animals, will be at peace. The first reading for Easter Sunday is from Isaiah, the 65th chapter. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. In the second reading, Paul describes the consequences of the resurrection, including the promise of a new life in Christ to a world that has been bondage to death. He celebrates the destruction of evil and the establishment of God's victorious rule over all. The second reading for Easter is from the 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all, we are We are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. The 24th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. On the first day of the week, At early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
He is not here. He is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise. They remembered His words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter rose. He ran to the tomb, stooping in and looking. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home, marveling at what had happened. This is the Gospel of our Lord. So Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know we got to start the sermon time with this part off with that. So we, there we go. One thing if you take away from this service today, of all the things you take away, whether it's beautiful music or the decorations, and it's like, wow, these decorations. Whatever you take away, if you take away anything that I get to share with you today, take away this one thing. You are loved, Right? When you think of your Heavenly Father, just know that when your Father sees you, He says, I love you. You are loved. So of all the things that said next, if that's all you take home, it's a good day. We'll say it in the beginning, we'll say it at the end. So Easter is the third day. Our worship for this this Easter time didn't start today. It doesn't start today. It actually starts on Thursday. It's a three-part package. You can't understand Easter unless you know about Monday, Thursday, or Holy Thursday. And you don't know much about Friday unless you know Thursday and Easter. They all come together. You can't take one out and say it's a good set. They have to come in threes. And so this day is completed, but it's also a beginning. It's all mixed up with Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And this is our third day. So maybe it's good for us at times to remember... What has happened before, right? So on Monday, Thursday, we remembered, and it was a great night, by the way. So if you, next year, you just got to come on Monday, Thursday as well. We had a nearly full house. Parking lot was packed. It was great with this. Um, the music was beautiful. The young ones had this thing called In Remembrance, and it was a beautiful song with some gestures, and it, was just, it just communicated a beautiful message about what Jesus was about for us. And um, the prayers were good. It was just a blessed night. Well, anyway, on Monday, Thursday... The message, we were to have three pieces that we really wanted people to remember because it's about a command. Mondays from mandatum or the commandment, the mandate. You're mandated to do something. So the three things that Jesus is mandating to us on that Thursday is one, is to love the way I've loved. Pretty simple. That's what he tells them. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you love one another. That's what Jesus commands. That's the mandate. Love. And in that actually takes care of everything, if you really think about it. But he gives us more. The next piece to Monday, Thursday, had to do with the word serve. Because he washed their feet. The Lord of all creation, the one, the one who is, can tell the storms to stop and the dead to rise and the lepers to be clean. That person, that Jesus, Son of God, he is on his knees in front of people and he's washing their feet. And so he gives us another part of this command. Serve. Serve the way I have served you. You don't have to think very much about it. Just think about it. Just do what I just did. Be humble enough to be on your knees. Be, be loving enough that you can wash someone's feet. 
Because you love and you're willing to serve. That's the part two of the commandment that night. The third part had to do with the Lord's Supper. It was instituted on that night. We remember as a church, the night in which he was betrayed, that he took bread and he gave thanks. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to us and he said, take this and eat it. Take this and drink it. This is the, my body. This is my blood. This is the new covenant that is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. That's a new commandment. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're proclaiming his death, we're proclaiming his life, and that he's going to come again. There's a folded napkin in that promise. We just didn't see it yet. Right? So that's the commandment on Monday, Thursday. It's hard to get to Easter without getting through good Monday, Thursday. Well, then the very next day, after remembering that we're loved that way, the next day on Good Friday, remember... We're loved in a whole nother level of shows. So the first one was about command and about words and an illustration. The next one's off the charts. And it was for us on that night. We had over 170 people in here. This place was packed. This, this whole space was just filled with singers. And boy, did they sing. If you get the chance, go online. It won't be like what it was here. But that night was one of the most beautiful nights I can ever remember. The voices were, they were like angels and they were singing to God. And the musicians, there's a whole bunch of them right over here. And they played in such a way as like heavenly, like, the, what are the instruments? They're like oboes and saxophones and French horns. And this guy, they played the French horn. He was there. He was one of them. It was amazing, the music that these guys brought to us that night. The, the decorations, the cross, the black, I mean, this place was, it was communicating Good Friday and the song that they gave, the prayers we said, the messages that were shared, and the one who conducted it all, Mr. Hollenbeck, man, way to go. Yes, what a night. What a night. The parking lot, we, there was not a single spot in this parking lot. We were parking in the Fayetteville Athletic Center and in the businesses next door because there was no place to park. It was a, what a good Friday to remember. All right, so now that we got that part just celebrated once again, Good Friday is the second day of these three. And we gathered to remember that one, we're loved, and we're also remembering that we're really forgiven, right? Forgiven. Remember that Jesus was arrested. He chose to do this. In fact, he went to Jerusalem knowing that this was going to happen. He told them in advance that he was going, all this was going to happen. He knew exactly what was going to go down, and he loved them enough to tell them in advance so they wouldn't be overwhelmed by it. So then maybe they could remember and say, well, he already told us this was they could relax about it, right? But they didn't. Either way, he's arrested. We remember that he was treated with violence and with malice. He was brutalized. His body was wrecked. We remember how the crowds shouted crucify after the, the high ones said he's guilty. We remembered his crucifixion. On Good Friday, we remember the crucifixion. We remember that one of the thieves begged, say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this person who had never been baptized, this person who had never probably met Jesus before, while he's up on that cross, he asks for mercy and he asks for a place. And Jesus, with love, he's dying. And he still has love enough to say, I'll remember you. Today you're with me in paradise. To someone who had absolutely no deserving. And the Roman soldier who watched, this, this hardened warrior one of the best that Pilate had, because if he's taken this type of a person to that kind of a cross, and he's that loved and, and is stirring up the city this way, he had his very best troops there. 
And this one of his very best troops, not a Jew, not a God-fearing person the way we would consider it, this pagan person who had by a lot of different gods, this one having witnessed the way Jesus was betrayed, having witnessed the way he was responding to all the violence, witness, oh, that hurts. I'm sorry, we're talking about a crucifixion and he felt it. <laughs> There's a nursery. All right. So this, this soldier who's watched all that Jesus has done, and he's watched how he's responded to the ones who drove the spikes. He wasn't angry. He wasn't shouting curses. He went there willingly. He laid his arms out willingly. He watched how he loved from the cross. And that Roman soldier, having witnessed everything that he witnessed, said, surely that was the Son of God. We remember that on Good Friday. Again, we remember on day one that Jesus commands us to love and to serve and to receive a new covenant. And day two, we remember that Jesus loves and that he forgives and that everybody who gets close to him can recognize that and say the same words as a soldier. But now on day three, right? We get to Easter and day three, remembering today, God willing, we'll have up, at the end of the day, we'll have close to maybe like 250 to 300 people having worshiped God here. But think about it. This is just one mission start church. What about the churches around the world, the globe across this planet on today, on Easter day? How many millions upon millions of people today are gathering early at sunrise all the way into the evening? And on today, they're going to remember all that Jesus did on Thursday and Friday. And on this day, when they get to the tomb, it is empty. Across the planet, this is huge. It started off with one guy and 12 friends and one abandoned them. And from that crew, with the Holy Spirit's help, it's blown up to cover the world. we got some more covering to do. we got everybody to come home still. What, what a start. So on day three, we remember. And we remember that we are loved. We're going to get that in Luke's Gospel in two parts. Two parts. So the first one is evidence of God's love. If you ever, ever had any doubts that God loves you, then think about this. Jesus, or God, moved the stone. We'll start with that one. God powerfully acts in an earthquake this day. Powerfully acts. And in this powerful earthquake, it's the second one, because on the day he died, there was an earthquake. Powerful earthquake shook that world, and they all knew something was going down. Even the graves were opened on that day, right? So on this day, there's a second earthquake. Another tomb is going to be opened today. Jesus, God, is physically removing a stone now, if you think about this, God didn't move the stone so his son could get out. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the kids might think, well, God had to move the stone because Jesus couldn't come out otherwise. Well, that's not exactly true because Jesus is God. And after the resurrection, if he just wants to be here, he's here, right? The disciples are in their little room. They're fearful. They're locked up in this room thinking that they're going to come and arrest him because you just don't kill the leader. You kill all the other ones around them. So you take care of the problem at once. So they thought they were going to be arrested. They're hiding and Jesus appears. He finds them. They don't want to be found. Their doors are locked. The windows are steeled. And now Jesus is there. And he says, peace. And then he says, touch my hand and put your hand in my side. I'm not a ghost. I am real. Jesus doesn't need the Father to remove the stone to come out of the tomb. He finds them by a lake. He'll find them along the roads. Wherever that, he's going to do that. So the stone isn't removed so that Jesus can come out. The stone then is removed so that the women who are walking there in the morning, so that the disciples later on that day, and actually the whole world can peer into that, that empty space and see that he's not there. 
The clothes that were laid upon him, they're there. The folded napkin and all that that means, it's there. But Jesus isn't there. That's why God moves a stone so that you and I and the world can see that he's not there. He's risen. There's an empty tomb so that everybody, and this is where it comes into our world, right? So if you're in a dark place, if you're kind of beat down, you're in a place in your life where you're feeling a little defeated, if you're in a place in your life where you have some addictions and some behaviors in your life that you absolutely know that have nothing to do with God's holiness and the ways of heaven, and they're bringing you down, and you don't know how you can say no to them anymore, and you might even want to quit because you've never been able to say no to them your whole life, and you want to give up on that, to those people, to us, the ones who are tired, the ones who might be just confused with what's right and wrong and all the messages of this world, maybe we can get to a point where we have, we're hopeless We don't look to the future with optimism and excitement over what the Lord has. We're just looking at the world, the future, and just gray, dark, hopeless that maybe everyone who's living in those places and times that we could know that God can remove the stones in our world too. If He can make an earthquake happen, if He can move that stone, He can absolutely show up in our lives and He can move stones out of our ways too. That he can have an opportunity. We can have an opportunity to see that, that that problem is gone like an empty grave that's not there anymore. That we can look forward and we can look up. And this is a huge part for this story. That we look up. When the women are walking towards the tomb, we have in the different translations or the different presentations of this Easter morning, they're looking at each other. When you look at each other, you generally don't find a lot of support sometimes. You might get little hints of support, but it's not complete. Sometimes when you're looking all look at the same problems. You're all, the women are walking to the tomb that morning knowing that they cannot move that stone. They're talking about it. As they're going there, they're realizing that stone's too big for us. Kind of like the obstacles in our life. Did it seem too big? The women are going to this tomb that morning while it's still in the wake-up time for the sunshine that day. They're going to say, I can't move that stone. They're walking, they're walking. And it comes a point in that story when it says that they looked up. And when they looked up, the stone was gone. How awesome is that for us? We don't need to look to the left to see what's troubling us on the left. We don't need to look at the right and see all the temptations that will distract us from looking up. We don't need to look backwards at all the failures or all the goodness. That's, that's past. And nor do we need to look forward to all the shiny world stuff that we might be attracted to going forward. We're not to look in any of those directions. We're to look up. We're to look to our Heavenly Father. We're to look to the one who was on the cross. We're to look up towards God and see that He can remove all the obstacles and all the things that wreck our lives and want us to live small, diminished lives. We look up to Jesus and let Jesus move the stone. We keep our eyes on Him. He does the heavy lifting. And we can do that knowing that you are forgiven. And you can do that knowing that you're loved. Because that's the kind of God we have. And the other part of this story that we're going to highlight today, not just the, the, the tomb and the stone, the next piece is, the last piece of this, has to do with angels. You notice there wasn't just one angel. I mean, think about it. Mary had one angel show up. I think Zechariah and Elizabeth, on that story, just one angel shows up. I think of an angel, if Michael or Gabriel shows up in your life one day, you're out there, you're putting gas in your car, and boom, there it is. Or you're taking care of weeds in your yard, or you're stuck in the traffic, and all of a sudden it's just right there. If you see one angel gleaming with God light and God energy, that's going to be enough to convince you that what they have to say is probably what you want to listen to. Right? Well, in here, he just didn't send one angel. 
I'd be fairly convinced with one angel, but he didn't. He sent two. Now, why would he send two? Because in those days, before they had all the phones where you can film all your stuff, right? In those days, one witness wasn't enough. But if you had two witnesses, two witnesses absolutely confirmed that what they saw happened and it was true. So for the whole world to know, God didn't send one, he sends two. So everyone who sees those angels on that day will know with great certainty that what they say is truth, and there's no questions, there's no doubt, it's factual. And so now, what does the angel say? He says to those ladies, why are you looking for the dead among the living? Remember what he told you while he was still with you. Remember. He loved you and he told you this stuff. Remember. So with those two witnesses saying that, what are you remembering? You're remembering the last three years. For three years, he's been loving on people. He's been talking and teaching to people with great love. Like the world has never seen a person love. They've been watching Jesus love. Remember that. And then remember how he served. No one in history served like Jesus. He gave himself away to people who never even said thank you. He gave himself to people away who the very next day were going to say crucify. He served in love like nobody. He told us about the way of heaven and the way to heaven. He's been doing that for all these years. He even told us what was going to happen last week. Just so that we wouldn't come into this week so nervous, he told us the week before, I'm going there and this is what's going to happen. And behold, it happened exactly the way he said it. We can trust that. He did all of that because he loves. Proof. You are loved. If anything in this world wants to tell you that you are small, that you are not good enough, that you can't do it, If anything in this world, if anyone in this world says that to you, they're a liar and they're speaking on behalf of the enemy. Because Jesus wants us to know that he can forgive everything and has forgiven everything. And that he loves everyone. Yes, even me and you. And he knows my motives. He knows your motives. He knows what you're thinking even while you're in church and you're trying to be good. Right? He knows that. And he still loves Remember that. An empty tomb. Friends, it's not the end of the story. The empty tomb. Remember, where is it? Here it is. Remember what was placed on the table? The napkin. Remember that that napkin wasn't taken off of Jesus, wadded up and dropped, right? Jesus took that napkin and he folded it. And he carefully laid it so that everybody would know what? When he leaves the folded napkin, what does he want them to remember? What? He's coming back. That he's not finished. Jesus is not finished. Jesus is coming back. Over the next 40 days, the church and our church life, we remember his life every year. These next 40 days, Jesus is going to find them exactly where they are. 
If he has to find them in the room locked up, he'll find them. If they're running towards another town like Damascus or Emmaus, he's going to chase after them down that road and he's going to walk with them on that road to Emmaus. He's going to go wherever his disciples are, no matter what condition he's going to find them, and he's going to find them and he's going to make sure that they know that he's alive. The last thing on their mind and in their eyes and in their hearts is not going to be him on the cross. The last thing he's going to give them is his living, resurrected body. The grave does not win. The cross doesn't win. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wins. And he'll find them to make sure that he has that. Over the next 40 days, he's going to do that. Hundreds of people are going to see this. On the 50th day, it gets even better. Because when he ascends to the Father, he says, I'm sending my advocate, my Holy Spirit, and he will be with people across the planet at all times, everywhere, present. That Holy Spirit is to comfort us and to accompany us. We will never be alone. God, in our baptisms, has filled these flesh temples, these bodies with His Spirit so that we can know and have His presence. We could be dying and still have peace because we have the Holy Spirit. On the 50th day, He sends us a Spirit. And on the last day, whether well, our last days because our bodies are just tired, you know, whenever I get, you know, I'm already feeling pretty old, but I'm going to feel older. And, and, you know, maybe my heart's tired or maybe your cancer is coming or something else is going and my body's going to breathe this last. That's not the end of my story. And maybe it will be the last day when he comes and every tongue will confess and every knee will bend and say that that is the Lord God. Whether it's my body's death or the day he returns, either way, I know with certainty because of that napkin that he's coming again because he also told us. It's more than a napkin. He's coming to show us our new home. Our new home. Our forever place. Because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit absolutely love us. So on behalf of the Jesus, you know, your pastor, are, this is an anniversary. Actually, it's April 1st, but it's Easter Day. So every Easter, this is two years now here. Um, delight to serve God and you people here. This, you people are now my peoples. And um, so on behalf of Jesus and the, the apostolic servants, I get to tell you, be like the ladies and lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up to God and put that first. Lift up your hearts to God. We're going to say that in the liturgy with Holy Communion in just a moment. Lift up your hearts. Don't put your hearts into this world. Put your hearts into God. Lift up your eyes, lift up your hearts, and then believe the good news. Believe it with all that you can. And you can even ask for help. Say, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Believe. That Jesus Christ has risen and you are loved. Amen. Let us declare our faith. We will use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for God's people. 
Heavenly Father, we live in a culture of distractions and diversions. Help us to focus our hearts and minds on the things of first importance, Christ's death and resurrection for sinners. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Lord, you sent messengers to proclaim Jesus' resurrection to the women on Easter morning. Inspire us to share the message of Jesus' resurrection throughout the world. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Loving God, with joy and delight, we thank you that new day has dawned and new hope is given. Christ was risen and you have raised us up with Christ. We thank you that grace is stronger than evil, that mercy is larger than suffering, that joy is greater than sorrow. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a day to celebrate Easter. We thank you for birthdays and anniversaries celebrated this week. We thank you for all of the loved ones you have placed into our lives and the beautiful memories that live on within us. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We ask that you touch the lives of those we know and love who are in need of healing, courage, and peace especially those listed in our prayer requests and those we name in our hearts now. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Into your hands, merciful Savior, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.